Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Welcome to The Higher Branch Podcast. I'm Sam McCool, your host. And today I have uh, the pleasure of hosting Alessandra Edwards, who was um, uh, one of the speakers who actually was the first speaker of our very first Upgrade Your Life event. And I was holding my breath at that point because I did not know how this event was going to go. But Alessandra kicked it off with, it's like watching a game where they just score in the first 30 seconds and it was just epic. The, the energy was incredible and after the event, uh, Alessandra, Alessandra, Alessandra was in on everybody's lips and um, before I tell you a little bit about um, who Alessandra Edwards is and what she does, I just want to mention that uh, a few people have come up to me, and this is this is very rare. A few people have come up to me, and one who didn't actually attend Upgrade Your Life, but who has been personally uh, performance coached and um, um, someone who has uh, uh, really worked with Alessandra in her personal practice um, as a performance coach. And these both these people said to me, almost with tears in their eyes, Alessandra changed my life. Uh, and these are people that were, you know, suffering with serious health problems, depression. And when somebody can actually look at you in the, in the eyes and say to you, look, this person has given me my life back. It, you know, for me, it's, it builds so much intrigue that I have to meet them and get to know that person. And today you're going to get to know Alessandra really well as well. We're going to have a great uh, talk about uh, many things, uh, but first uh, about her background. She has a background in health science and clinical nutrition with a postgraduate professional certificate in genetics and genomics from Stanford University. She is really for you know one of the uh, rare Australians who's at the cutting edge of health and ultra performance programs for corporate leaders, even Olympic athletes and high flying um, uh, high flyers internationally. Um, when I say it's rare, because really most of these experts are usually, you know, from Los Angeles and New York or London, so it's it's a real privilege for us Australians to have someone living in Melbourne who's punching at this level. So it's really really awesome. Um, so uh, one thing I love about uh, Alessandra's works, uh, her work is she approaches performance coaching from a genetics. Uh, and uh, uh, Alessandra can correct me if I'm wrong, but she approaches everything f- by honouring your genetics and knowing who you are at the cellular level, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally. And from that, because once you know yourself, as the ancient seers said, know thyself, then you know how to operate at a high level. Then you know what to eat, how to sleep, how to, how to work, how to learn. And that's what we're going to do uh, as a deep dive today. Most of you would know I'm obsessed with practicality and key takeaways. So on that note, welcome, Alessandra. Thank you. So great to be here. I am absolutely ecstatic and excited. I haven't seen you for a while. I know we've been in touch, but it's always a great honour to have time to spend time with you, Sam. That's, that's great. And um, yeah, you're right. You live in Melbourne. I live in Sydney. And, but you are speaking at Upgrade Your Life um, 2020. 
Yay. next year. And uh, we can uh, talk about that uh, a little later and maybe give people a glimpse into what you're actually going to be covering uh, at the event because the event is about uh, having 2020 vision and, um, and you need to have a vision for, you, for your performance and for your health and what have you. But first of all, um, just tell me, what are the three biggest mistakes that um, the corporate, you mainly coach corporate people, what are the three biggest mistakes that they make? If it's not three, maybe it's four or five or maybe it's just one. But what are the biggest mistakes that corporate uh, people or athletes or you know, international superstars, what are they making? Because with, with um, I don't know anyone that's successful in business or in sport and what have you who's not obsessive about their craft. And, but that obsession then makes them redline in one area and neglect everything else. But so apart from that, what is their biggest mistakes that they make? Let's start off with the corporate people, our yeah. crowd. Yeah. You know, actually, I've never been asked this question and it's a, it's a really, really well-observed um, question. I'd have to say that the number one mistake, um, and I think it's more of a you know of an assumption rather than a mistake, yeah. is that <clears throat> most of the people I work with, and um, you know the vast majority of them are you know really sort of high level um, executives, you know Fortune five hundred leaders. So that people who have very busy lives and they they know they feel comfortable in leading and so i think that the biggest mistake they make is assuming that because they know so much the natural leaders that therefore they're natural leaders when it comes to also self performance and so <clears throat> there is this blurring i think in their mind that professional performance is the same as biological and genetic performance, then the two are actually quite, you know, wow, different. Yeah. I was not expecting that answer. <laughs> I was expecting you to say, oh, they neglect their health and their relationships or what have you, which is true, but that's more secondary, isn't it? What you said is the primary cause of that. That's right. Yeah. So all those things, absolutely. And I'm sure today we'll be really delving deep into the how to, the when to, all those kinds of things yes. of sleep, eat, move, all those exciting, fun things. But fundamentally, I think that the first thing that we need to address is that, so that number one assumption. The second assumption, which is, you know, we could think of it as the second mistake, um, is that, and this is not just, you know, executive and, you know, corporate yeah. leaders, but I think we all tend to do this, is the assumption that we tend to think of ourselves as we used to when we were 25, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I put yes, myself yes, in yes. this list as well, you know, at 46 yeah. now. And and that is because essentially internally the perception of ourselves doesn't change. However, the body does. Right. And we definitely have inbuilt mechanisms for for aging. And and so we make the assumption that just because we feel in a way we still ourselves the way we yes. were 25 years ago that therefore I do not need to do anything different. And and because very often these people are very busy, then there isn't really the time and care and focus to actually pay attention to all the little niggly signs and symptoms that have occurred yes. through the years. Yeah. So there is this kind of almost like laid back, let's say fair sort of attitude of, well, you know, 
I used to be really energised, you know, I always used to sleep well. Um, I used to be able to work 15-hour days without a problem. And so there is still the assumption that that should be true. Yes, or my favourite one is I used to be able to eat a big meal and go to sleep. My, that's a big one for me as well. I'd love to talk about the genetics of that because yes. there, there might will. be some interesting insights yes. in, in that as to why we kind of, you know, we love our food. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the, the first mistake is thinking they know it all across all areas of life when they're really just experts at work. They need to be humble, uh, humbled. Yes. Uh, and often life will humble uh, a person by giving them, you know, some sort of illness or uh, an injury or what have you, where they feel like, hey, I don't know everything, I need to talk to an expert. Is that why most of them, uh, when they come to you, they've realised their mortality and think, think, well, I need help? Um, It used to be like that, but uh, in recent years, they now come to me because, you know, a fellow director or CEO calls them up and says, buddy, you've got to go and see Alessandra. Oh, okay, yes. (laughs) Um, So, but, but generally, yes, there is finally, you know, what I said, the penny drops, and finally, there is this realization that oh, okay, perhaps I'm not completely as bulletproof as I thought I was. Yes. And so there is, a, and there is an underlying growing fear of well, I have been ignoring this for a number of years and have been able to coast and cope. Yes. Uh, but now these symptoms are starting to really affect my life profoundly, not just from a professional, but also very much a personal level relationship relationship absolutely okay. uh, ability to connect with others whether in you know in partnerships or in families friends mental health issues yeah because often it's one thing that causes a problem and it's the thread you pull on that thread it may be you know um, anxiety or poor health poor energy in the mornings and then suddenly uh, you're not sleeping as well and then you're irritable then suddenly you're arguing more at home yeah you're not as, uh, so it's a domino effect, isn't it? It is. I love that analogy of pulling the thread. That's a beautiful mm. um, analogy. Yeah, I, I've I've seen that with uh, many people, and I've experienced that m- myself. You know, I, I explained to you offline that I'm you know I'm a workaholic. If, you don't, <laughs> if I don't control it, consciously control it with daily rituals, that's that's where I default to. You know, I, I'd live at at the office. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm, I haven't had the, you know, the pleasure of doing DNA testing for you, but I can pretty much tell you straight away, I'm probably 98% sure <laughs> that you have the CEO gene. So What is that CEO gene? So the CEO yeah. gene, I, I see it in the vast majority of my clients. Um, it gives you an innate ability to, to lead. Um, generally, people who have this uh, genetic variant find that even looking back in their personal life, even as a young child or teenager, they were already self-starters, they had big ideas, and they had this natural ability to fire up people around them. Um, so they would yep. just put themselves at the, you know, at the elm of the sporting team or yeah. the games group, or they would organise things and structure things and give directions. Um, so it kind of really puts a fire in your belly and gives you this incredible sense of I don't want to say confidence. Confidence can be misinterpreted as being too much, but just this innate sense of you know what's right, and it's a particularly important skill 
yeah, for CEOs um, to have that vision. So, so that's the the positive side. The, the the downside, if you like, is that it can turn you into a workaholic. And I know you've got beautiful structures around in place. But unfortunately, many people don't, and so they get sucked into this vortex, and it feels good. Yes, yeah, it feels very good to be in there because you love the it's job. It's a comfort zone. It's a comfort zone. Yeah. You know how to do the job. You know you're adding value to often, you know, hundreds of people, thousands of people. Um, the downside is that if we get sucked into that vortex and we're not aware of sort of this genetic tendency and even without the, the testing, you know, you know, yeah. we've talked before about what workaholic used to look like for you years ago as opposed to now, where you have these really high level self-care practices, that then that's when the CEO gene can give us underlying levels of high anxiety and then insomnia. These are the people who ruminate a lot, the great thinkers so really highly creative mentally. Yes. And so thought begets thoughts at night, you know, wake up <laughs> in the middle of the night and just have these brilliant ideas. Um, uh, and if that continues also unchecked, that's when also um, different personality traits can come through. So irritability, yes. flying off the handle, lack of patience and with loved ones as well. It doesn't have to be necessarily in a professional setting. Yeah, I think you absolutely nailed it. <laughs> and I, I know a lot of people like that mm. as well. And, yeah, that is my definitely my natural tendency. But uh, like you said, I fight very hard to make sure that I live a holistic life. And, you know, I, I was looking forward to this chat because I think what you do on a day-to-day basis is the very reason why I started a higher branch because after three decades in the industry and seeing my friends and colleagues and acquaintances go through tough times, uh, you know, heart disease, diabetes, broken relationships, and these are people that all had a plan, right? These are people that are brilliant at work Mm -hmm. and their their plan was, well, one day I'm going to slow down and exercise and one day I'm going to spend more time with my partner on holidays and when I pay off the mortgage, when I this, when I that. And it's like, it's insane, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we launched a higher branch to say, really say to that uh, people, you know, we get it. You know, you want to change the world, but don't destroy your life on that journey mm. in the process. Nobody wants you to, not your family, not your kids, not your clients, right? Absolutely. Um, and that's why we kicked off a higher branch because we thought, well, we have a framework, we have – you know, people such as yourself who were so fortunate uh, uh, joined us on our journey to, to teach people, you know, um, okay, how do, I, how do I control this thing called life? And I'm really tired and I know you hate the cliche of work-life balance because it's about completeness yeah. and it's about growth. But just going back to what you said, uh, you mentioned that that's a CEO type. For people listening right now, how do they know what type? Are there three types, four types, and um, can you give us the sort of qualities for each each of those types so people listening right now can say, oh, okay, I'm that particular mm-hmm. type. It's a little bit of a self-diagnosis, I guess. Yeah. I know you go a lot deeper uh, into this, and you and we'll, we'll talk about how you do genetic mm-hmm. testing, 
Um, but what are the other types, just basically? Because you did cover this at Upgrade Your Life, remember? Yeah. Everyone was walking out saying, oh, I'm a rock star or yeah. I'm a morning star or what yeah. have you. So um, there are different types <clears throat> which are useful for self-diagnosing. And look, I actually think there is nothing wrong with the self-diagnosing. And I think that it falls within the realm of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So for me, high performance really stems from the concept of self-leadership. We can't have high performance without self-leadership. And we can't be great leaders without self-leadership. And in order to achieve self-leadership, we need awareness. So awareness can come in many forms. Sure, my expertise is really getting down into the nuts and bolts of genetics and biomedical testing. But even having these conversations helps plant a seed in someone's mind so that they can start looking at themselves a little bit from the outside and more objectively and go, oh, you know what, actually, Sam was talking about being a workaholic and then, you know, the anxiety and then that affects the sleep. So I think it's it's really useful. So I have a number of, uh, you know, different uh, types that I talk about. Um, at the conference last year, the focus was very much on you know, let's get the foundations going so that yes. then in, you know, 2020 we can build on the vision, create yes. a vision. So the foundational types are the energy types. And um, I, you know, for the sake of the conversation at the conference, um, I talked about four, but in reality there are six types. Mm-hmm. So the first two types are based on our chronobiology. So the internal circadian clocks that we all have, not just in the brain, but throughout the body. And they're loosely based on the concept of the owl and lark that we've all heard of, you know, yes. so the, the, the early morning bird and that kind of thing. But <clears throat> there are more genetics behind it. So I, I call them the morning star and the rock star. And these two, if you like, are like the, the compass in terms of our north-south. So the, the compass, because they give us <clears throat> the foundation of, of when we should sleep, when we should eat, yeah, when we should rest, when we should play. And <clears throat> so the morning star, um, you would know if you're a morning star because uh, generally speaking, you're someone who, regardless of the schedule, you will tend to wake up naturally quite early, so without an alarm. And you have been like this all your life. Now, the vast majority of people are morning stars, and they're people who generally feel very alert, mentally highly focused in the mornings. Okay. They greet the day with that you know, joyful smile. They feel good in the morning, and they find that their best work time is generally in those first you know, two to three hours after waking up. Now, the opposite to this then is the rock star type, which would be the more the more owl type. And this is very much documented in the scientific literature that the, there are definitely rock star types. Yep. Um, now, I heard um, Mark's podcast and it was, you know, a um, fantastic podcast. I really loved it so much. All his insights into Ayurveda and I was I learned a lot of actually some of the things he was saying that it w- I was not aware of in terms of Ayurveda. And I was thinking how these really relate now are being proven by, you know, science, by science. Yeah. Yep. So... I, um, I I agree with Mark. He was talking about that, that there are no real night types. Well, from my perspective, genetically, there are some, but nowhere as near as I see. You know, pretty much all my clients say, oh, I'm an evening type. 
And that's not true. We, we really know <laughs> from science that's not the case. So yes. rock star type might be genetically driven and you'd be the kind of person who really struggled to get up in the morning. You're always up for a lie-in. Yes. Weekends, you tend to indulge in that kind of oversleeping. Mm-hmm. And in the evenings, you have that second wind. So you find that uh, your brain from 8 p.m. is really sharp and you could easily be doing work, you know, around 9, 10 p.m. Yeah, that's, that's me. Yeah. Think, yeah. Many, many people are like mm-hmm. that. And um, Mark talked about a really lovely uh, sort of little experiment, which I share with my clients too, which is to say, you know, if you ever have the opportunity to go camping, set yourself yeah. this challenge, you know, and just go somewhere in nature. And I find generally it takes about a week to completely reset. But you will know then whether your natural you know, body clock tends to be more the rock star type and yep. you still want to stay up very late in the evenings or whether you're reset to the morning type. So we were talking earlier about the CEO type. Okay, and often CEO types tell me that they are sort of rock stars. Yeah, they want to stay up in the evenings, they do lots of work, they go to bed late, all these kinds of things. So very often, once we do genetic testing, we see that they actually do not have the rock star gene. So you yeah? can the morning star. You can point this. Yeah, with you can test genetically. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, you can actually see if you have these clock yeah. genes. Um, so then we go. Well, actually, you know, yeah. um, this is more of a social reset of your circadian cycle. Yes. And and so if we were to do salivary testing or blood testing in the evenings, we would see that these types tend to have high cortisol and high adrenaline in the evening. In the evening. Okay. Yeah. Because it's supposed to drop in the evening. Absolutely. It? Yeah. It's supposed to look like a ski slope, so high in the morning and low in the evenings, so that then when we have low cortisol and low adrenaline, our GABA goes up. And GABA is the break in the brain. So it's basically going around, shutting down all the offices in the brain and going, it's time to go to bed. Yes. So <clears throat> now because of the way we live – very often, so a lot of mismatched exposure to artificial light, high stress levels that increase throughout the day, and particularly if someone has the CEO gene, so naturally at baseline, they will um, have higher levels of adrenaline, noradrenaline, and dopamine. Then they think that they are a night owl, and especially in recent years, there have been so many articles in the media going, well, you know, it is okay to be a night owl. These are just the things you need to do if you're a night owl. So then they tend to think that it's okay to foster that cycle. But in reality, if you are a morning star living a rock star life, (laughs) so you're kind of a little bit of a fraud, Yes. You are actually, even if you try and sleep longer at night, you are not going to be going through the phases of sleep architecture of, you know, deep sleep, REM sleep, and having those kind of four to five cycles of changes from light to deep uh, cycles at night. And so in time, this could really start accruing a deficit in your cognitive function because we know that unless we have those cycles of sleep at night – then our memory bucket does not get emptied. Uh, Can we do a deeper dive into this? Because this this really fascinates me. Um, And I like how you've um, um, segued into this because 
honouring your type uh, allows you to take the it, it takes the pressure off you. Um, so, uh, for for example, a, a true night owl yeah. who's been told, "Oh, you must go to bed early." you must wake up early to join something called the 5am club mm-hmm. or something like that, <laughs> right? You know, that's where all the superstars <laughs> do it. But they can't do it. Mm-hmm. So they end up having insomnia because they're trying to get to bed earlier mm-hmm. than what they should be. Yeah. And then they're waking up earlier than what they should be. Yeah. And they're not really getting REM sleep because you tend to get deep sleep. This is what my aura ring mm-hmm. tells me. Early part of the evening when you first go to sleep that's and right. you get more of the REM towards the end. Yes. And if you are trying to sleep or live not in accordance with your genetic type, then you screw up this cycle, don't you? you do. And then the thread, that's the thread, yeah. right? So that's why I love um, what you do because you give pinpoint to people what they really are. And I think that's half the equation. Once you know what you're genetically yes. predisposed to, then you can say, okay, now I know what to do. And then you tell them what to do after that. But let's let's do a deep dive as to why it's important why sleep is important as a general concept yes. and to the different phases of sleep and what they each do. Because you mentioned a few things there like memory, mm-hmm. right, uh, the memory inbox, you know, um, part of it. Because deep sleep uh, does one thing and REM sleep does something else and uh, maybe we'll talk about light sleep because I'm still to figure out what that, <laughs> what that does for you. I, I think even scientists are uh, <laughs> trying to figure out exactly what sleep is all about. Um, so we have some knowledge, but it is still a big mystery overall as to exactly why everything happens. But you, uh, in you sleep. would do a lot of research in this, and that's is it one of your the tools uh, that you go to in your toolbox to um, get uh, CEOs and high performers to hit those high levels? It is. I um, so like you. I utilize a, an aura ring. I think it's a really Oh, you have a usable, one too, you? trackable yeah, thing to awesome. use, and I yeah. think it's the best thing we have right now. Um, there are definitely a few niggly things that I don't love about it, but overall, I think it's a really great self awareness and motivational tool. Um, well, it gives you data. It does. And yeah. most business people, the people that, that you coach, you know, we, we run our business by getting data, right? How you're performing across all areas. Well, sleep data is important to my performance, yeah. so I'm going to measure it. So this is great. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, uh, look, I utilise uh, also proper professional sleep studies. Um, I won't use that with everybody, but I will use it in people who um, have a history of sleep issues and where I'm not satisfied that we have the full picture um, okay. And that it's yep. not just uh, stress related, and uh, um, and then we will utilize the sleep studies to track progress. Um, also, I utilize um, mental cognitive testing, so that uh, when I start working with the client, then we actually um, uh, test uh, levels of cognitive performance in terms of their short-term memory, mm-hmm. um, their strategic thinking, deductive reasoning. So we can actually see, we can compare them to peers, so same age and same gender, okay, and see yep. whether they are you know, below the line in terms of their brain performance. And when that is the case, and I feel that there are you know, sleep issues, that's the first thing to address, because especially as we age... Mm. Sleep is absolutely essential to maintain brain health. We know that um, the cleaning system in the brain, the glymphatic system, only gets activated when we get into that full restorative deep sleep. 
And many of my clients, even by looking at their aura data, do not have a healthy amount of deep sleep. So what is a healthy amount of deep sleep? So I I like to look at it as a percentage Mm -hmm. of the night's sleep because it depends how many people, you know, um, how how long Mm -hmm. someone is sleeping. But overall with someone in their 40s, I'd like to see, you know, at least above 20%. Yeah, so 20, 25%. Someone younger, you might get 30%. So it really, uh, and this is affected by their stress levels. Um, Often, you know, many of my clients enjoy a nightcap. You know, it's the way that they distress in the evenings. Yeah. Um, so, you know, alcohol, a glass or two, absolutely alcohol, alcohol <laughs> good quality whiskey or yeah. a couple of glasses of wine. <laughs> It helps them unwind because that's yeah. what, um, you know, alcohol is a uh, depressant. So initially it makes you feel more relaxed and it fosters, um, you know, a shorter onset of sleep. So for people who can't sleep, they drink alcohol, they fall asleep more uh, more quickly. But unfortunately, um, alcohol mm-hmm. then affects sort of the sleep architecture so that you can't you know, have really uh, healthy levels of deep sleep. And so then you get stuck in the cycle where they're waking up feeling foggy-headed, even though they're, maybe they've had seven hours sleep, yes. which might be adequate for them. Yes. But they've, they've had a lot of alcohol, so they've actually not gone into the deeper deep sleep. The brain hasn't cleaned itself at night. So the brain at night, you know, I, I've heard you talk about this before. I know this is a particular area of interest of yours. Yeah. Um, prunes itself at night. I love the the concept of the brain gardener going around at night and chopping bits that um, are not efficient. You know, how <laughs> high performance is this, you know, as a system that we have in built? Um, and it's free. And it's right? free. You don't have to take herbal supplements. Zero. You don't have to Absolute, do anything. Nothing. You've got to do nothing. In <laughs> fact, um, it's about doing less, yeah. you know, not more, to um, to foster this cleaning system. And well, just to interrupt you there quickly, why I – you said I focus on this a lot because I have a leadership team and our business has grown 17-fold in the last three years and I'm always mentoring my leadership team on performance and uh, – the one thing I know that has worked like instantly is uh, sleep hygiene and getting more deep sleep and more REM sleep, not necessarily more sleep. So, you know, some of the tips I give them is no coffee, you know, after 12. Um, don't eat too late. Uh, don't expose yourself to artificial light at night. And, and it works. Yes. Like they, they, we saw the data with their aura rings and, uh, and they're saying, look, Sam, I'm sharper. I don't need a coffee in the morning. I'm, they're completing their tasks a lot quicker. So that's why anything that delivers that Amazing. sort of um, performance boost, uh, you know, has to get my interest. Absolutely. Yeah. As you said, it's free. It's easy to understand. So you don't even need to know the science behind it to implement it. And I find that especially if people wear an aura ring, yeah. um, initially they'll go, they're a bit sort of tentative to try it. Because it requires a bit of change. Sometimes yeah, one client many of, of my clients said, I don't want to know. Because <laughs> they're saying, I don't want to get stressed. <laughs> I said, but you can pivot. You can change things. You know? <laughs> Sorry, go on. Uh, that's really funny. That's really funny. I, I might add a little funny story here, actually. I was Please do, uh, working yeah. with the Fortune 500 CEO at the moment. And uh, we, we started working very recently. And um, um, highly intelligent person and highly accomplished. Um, we're really trying to hack the sleep, I think, is, is going to be a yeah. major foundational tool 
for his genetics. And so we were talking about um, sleep hygiene. So I asked him if he had, you know, was he aware of sleep hygiene um, programs and what does he do? And he confidently said, yes, absolutely, I have a sleep hygiene routine. I said, fantastic. So talk talk me through it. And um, so, you know, after getting home at night, you know, having a you know, good meal, then uh, he falls asleep in front of Netflix. Um, so he falls asleep around that's half common. 10 yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> on the sofa because uh, that's really help, helps him distress. So he, he's, he's very aware of, you know, stress being impactful on mm-hmm. sleep. So uh, he was kind of complimenting himself on the fact that, uh, you know, just watching Netflix, he feels, you know, he's really distressing, which is awesome. You know, he's got this awareness. And then I said, okay, well, what happens next? Well, then I wake up around midnight, one o'clock, and I take myself to bed. Um, so then I was waiting for the next step of, okay, what, what happens next in your sleep yeah. hygiene? He goes, no, no, that's my sleep hygiene. <laughs> so I just, uh, he's, he's a very funny person, you know, very open and flexible. So I said to him, mate, I think your sleep hygiene actually is crap. <laughs> <laughs> and once he probably starts measuring the data, then that's yeah. when the wake-up call happens. Absolutely. I'm not actually getting any deep no, sleep. You absolutely. Know? <laughs> and that's the thing. And because uh, um, it's not just about artificial light. It's also, you know, um, uh, you know, Mark was talking about digesting emotions in Ayurveda. Yeah, I love that. It's wa- how that. wonderful. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really incredible uh, when you think about it. And and from a scientific perspective, we know that when we watch the news or we watch violent movies or action movies, um, our levels of cortisol go up. And yes. I was just saying earlier that if we have high cortisol levels and adrenaline, we cannot produce GABA. And so, which is the break yes. that occurs in the brain for yep. us to be able to relax and go to sleep. So all these things are, you know, are connected. We are not separate from our environment. And even with genetics, we are not just static DNA. We're in a constant state of flux. Our bodies, our biochemistry are constantly playing this dance with the environment around us. Yes. And even though we have genetic tendencies, so some of us might have the tendency in terms of having more of a tango dance or a salsa dance or, you know, a waltz dance, at the end of the day, we're still completely impacted by the music, you know, by the environment. So these simple changes work and you don't need genetic testing to start making these small yet highly impactful uh, changes in your life that will yield incredible results. And this is what I love about the work that you do, because one of my biggest criticisms of the wellness industry, which is, by the way, a $4 trillion industry now, mm. it, you know, it overshadows the big bad farmer who's at the paltry $938 billion mark, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that there's a lot of naturopaths. Um, I know you're not a naturopath. Uh, you're a performance expert. Uh, so that's your distinction. A lot of naturopaths, you'll go see them, and I've been, and they'll say, okay, you've got to take this and this and this and this and this. And I think, what, for life? But I like the way you work because, uh, for example, things like GABA, you 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 can prescribe GABA, mm. and you do, but you work on getting people back to equilibrium. Yes. And once that they're at that level where they're, they're in tune with the, uh, you know nature, like you said, then they don't need any more supplements, do they? Once they're on track, Absolutely. you take them off everything. And I just love, I just wanted to mention that to you. That's one of the things I love about what you do, which I think honours people's um, intelligence and their genetics. As well. And their wallet. And their wallet, yeah. <laughs> 
I um, that's really interesting. Um, I have a, an example of exactly what you just said. Um, I've uh, a, a client who works in um, the um, you know financial industry, and um, uh, before starting to work together, he had gone to see a you know a, I think it was a naturopath, and um, obviously he's highly stressed. You know, yes. energy depletion. You know, the classic picture. Yeah, of those sort of you know, um, type A personality, sort of yeah. rock star. So they were prescribed um, a couple of supplements. And so when um, I first started working with this gentleman, I asked him to show me um, what he was taking because he felt that he had considerably worsened since starting to take these supplements. And his sleep had never been great, but yeah. his insomnia levels had gone, you know, beyond... Um, you know, acceptable, really just could not fall asleep anymore at all. Um, Had even gone to the doctor to get sleeping tablets because it got that bad. Now, we'd done genetic testing, Mm. and I so I knew that this gentleman had two copies of the CEO gene, Mm. so already that real genetic tendency to have the super high adrenaline, yeah, noradrenaline Mm. and dopamine at night, and they were prescribed a supplement that actually pushes up levels of all these three because what they were doing was concentrating on their energy okay so they were talking about adrenal fatigue and so they were given a supplement yeah, yep. that works very a very high genetic level yeah called esadinozil methionine which is something i use in practice um and it had really interacted negatively with his genetics the only thing i did i prescribed nothing mm. was to ask him to stop that was it. <laughs> I asked him to stop that, yeah. and within three days, yeah. we had gotten back to a baseline. And then, obviously, then we started working on the foundational work. Because often, when when people go see a naturopath and they prescribe something, they're too scared to stop it. They're thinking, "Well, maybe I need to persist. Maybe I shouldn't quit." And they, they yeah. And sometimes the best thing you can do is actually quit. It is, you know? and I think sometimes there is also this notion that um, people confuse natural with safe. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not here to argue sort of the pharmaceuticals case, but um, in many cases there are certain supplements, especially now that companies are becoming more aware of epigenetic triggers. So basically, yes. supplements that work, can work with genetics, mm-hmm. um, the dosages can be quite high, and you know they're not. This is not like having a cup, cup of chamomile tea at bedtime. You know, these are supplements that can work. Uh, very, very deeply and can even induce psychotic episodes. So if that gentleman had carried on Mm. taking that, he'd been taking that for quite a few months now, and um, I, we had the conversation of how dreadful he felt. You know, his anger was out of control. And so I said to him, Mm. can you see how someone in that position who has become now so artificially, chemically imbalanced could actually snap? And do something really yeah. that they could regret, That's and and he said absolutely. You know, I, I was tragic. fearing for yeah. my safety. Yeah, it, it really is tragic. So mm. my message is, you know, don't confuse natural with safe. Some of these things are incredibly powerful, and um, they are utilized a little bit like candies. Yeah, and that is because often many of us, you know, myself included in the past, want a band aid solution. And, um, you know, it's a lot easier to be given a pill, whether it's pharmaceutical or natural, yes. <laughs> to sleep rather than go, let's implement some sleep hygiene. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's, uh, that's a cautionary tale there, which is uh, consistent with a lot of uh, 
um, people that I've come across as well. As you know, I, I do some coaching too, but my coaching uh, is rather different yes. to yours, of course. Uh, the, you know, approaching performance is at so many angles. Absolutely. And for me, it's always mind, yes. mind and emotions. It's a mindset thing. So I tend to do that. And uh, I'll tell you one story that uh, I coached a young lady many years ago who's suffering from chronic fatigue and she had been mm-hmm. seeing a um, – I had coached her dad – and then her dad referred her to me and I said, look, I know nothing about chronic fatigue. He said, please just meet with her. He knew something about the way I coached. And yes. the first thing I did, so she said, oh, I'm doing yoga, meditation. I'm taking all these supplements, herbs. And and you know what I did? I said, I want you to stop all the supplements. I said, what do you wow. love to eat? And she said, oh, burgers, pizza. I said, just go for it. Mm-hmm. And she, felt, she started <laughs> feeling better within two weeks because – Long story short, I don't want to get into the details, but we healed her through her emotions. Mm. And sometimes when we, you know, when we start taking all these things, we're not really treating the, the root cause Absolutely. and that is the emotions. We're so masking for, it. Yeah. So I said, soon, I mean, she felt instantly better just by dropping all these things. And I said, yes. don't do yoga, don't do meditation, don't, don't just live, right? Yes. Eat your favourite foods. And, yeah, some, less is more sometimes, right? It's, Absolutely. Beautiful it's about, story. It's about, you know, being in sync, you know, with, like you mentioned, uh, that person, that guy was taking a yeah. supplement is boosting his energy. But it, it's also about in, being in sync with the time of day. You need energy parts of the At day. At the right but time. Other times of the day when your body is telling you it needs to rest, mm. you need to honour that. You need to respect that rather. Yes. And that's one thing that... I used to always, the biggest mistake I'd do is afternoon comes, my body would say, okay, you've just had a meal, you need to just chill and I'd try and push past that because yes. that's what we do at work. Yes. But the moment I started respecting that and say, you know what, I'm just going to rest even for 10, 15 minutes. Yes. Right. And you see, so. I love the fact that you um, you honoured that. Yeah, so you, your body was giving you a signal, you honoured it and then you got results. The other side is, and this is why I love uh, the concept of self-experimentation. So all these things we're discussing, people can just go off and safely try for themselves yes. and and see if they work. Because we're very much now in the era of personalised medicine. There is no one diet fits all, no one lifestyle fits all, no super, there are no superfoods. It, does, it doesn't exist, it's a marketing scam. It is. Stop yeah. spending your money on things that have flown thousands of miles from the other side of the world and because they will do nothing. All they do is they just make us feel better because, again, it goes back to the notion that we want the magic pill, the anti-aging cream, you know. Yes. There are no no, uh, no quick fixes. Um, That's a beautiful th- message, but I love that. Love, love, love that. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, one thing I wanted to add, um, you got me thinking when you were – talking about, you know, honouring your body and having the nap. Um, Going back to your previous question of the energy types, uh, one of the uh, most common energy types I see is the the shooting star type. And um, just like the concept of shooting star, these are people that can shine really brightly for short periods of time and have, you know, great energy and then they tank. And often um, they tank in the afternoon especially after lunch. So for them, you know, having that little nap might make them feel better. However, it might not be the thing that fixes the underlying imbalance. Um, Shooting star types, um, which are very different to your types, Sam, you're definitely not a a shooting star, 
will know, will recognise themselves in the fact that uh, they will feel like they're always struggling to lose weight around the middle. Yeah. Okay, because of the high cortisol levels? High, high blood sugar levels blood generally sugar, or, yep. um, you know, insulin resistance. Mm. And um, they will also find that they can't go for long periods of time without eating and feeling very, very unwell. And I'd love to talk a little bit about intermittent fasting after this and genetics. Yeah, definitely. Yeah? Yep. That's one of the things um, I want to talk about. But what yeah. I mean is that they will start getting headachy, shaky, you know, a bit dizzy, um, very, you know, the classic hangry. Yeah, yes. so irritable, frustrated. And uh, uh, often this comes uh, accompanied with uh, high cravings for carbohydrates and sugars. So they are, you know, the lolly fiends. So whether it's chocolate or, um, uh, you know, sweets, sugary things, sodas, all those kinds of things. And um, the shooting star type usually manifests from age 30, 35 onwards. Okay. So this is very much genetically driven mm. based on usually there is a number of genetics related to blood sugar metabolism. And uh, it doesn't mean that you will end up with diabetes or even that there is diabetes in your family, but there is just this predisposition to not do very well with high starch diets. So, you know, if your diet is based on lots of bread, you know, you're having toast in the morning, um, you know, a sandwich or pasta for lunch and then, you know, rice for dinner or sushi, then uh, and then on top of that, lots of lollies and coffees, you're not living according to, you know, to, to those genetics. Yes. And uh, that can really um, upset people because they find that they've been able to manage their energy for years just with that coffee and that energy bar. Yes. And then all of a sudden they hit 45 and the brain fog comes rolling in. Uh, and this is particularly in a professional sense yeah. is um, very scary yeah, for yes. people in leadership positions because they tell me that they forget that they've told their assistant something, they forget they sent an email um, during presentations, words, you know, they can't find the words. And that's not normal, is it? It's not normal. It's not normal. Well, look, you know, because we're talking with people in their 40s and 50s, so we're not talking about people in their 80s uh, and 90s. So uh, a little bit of, um, you know, cognitive deficit is normal as we age, although it's completely preventable and there's things that we can do. Uh, however, that's not normal. I'm really talking about that tide of white, you know, that that fog yes. that that comes in, and you may never have experienced it. You know, it's very specific, but um, so it's linked to that. And so it's a matter of, you know, try these different things. But if you find that you're not getting the the right result, then maybe dig deeper or try something else. Because for a shooting star, for example, the nap, the siesta, you know, uh, is not going to rebalance you know, uh, internally. Yep. I I really like Mm. that message. So, Alessandra, I just want to go back and talk about sleep a little bit more because, um, um, by the way, I I love those those four categories of morning star, rock star, shooting star. There's another four star, isn't there? That's right, fallen star. Fallen star. And um, I I want to talk about that, but I I just want to say that um, with with sleep, that for me was a game changer. So, you know, I've always eaten like an athlete. I, I train religiously. I journal. I meditate, you know. Um, but I can honestly say no, I'm 55 this year and I have never been sharper. I remember things that people say, oh, my God, how did you remember me, you, me saying that to you back then? Like, I'm remembering things, not taking notes and meetings. And it's not that that was a struggle for me at, 
at all in the past, but I know that I'm sharper now than I was, and that's amazing. It, it's amazing because the turning point was me respecting sleep. Mm-hmm. So we talked about sleep, and we talk about different types, and I want to uh, talk about the fallen star type, but. When it comes to sleep, you mentioned the importance of deep sleep, but what about REM sleep? I want you to talk about REM sleep and its importance, but then if you could just give us the top tips for uh, sleep hygiene. Um, I can tell you after you, uh, you download that for us what I do, but uh, I really don't, uh, don't know what um, works for everyone. So you must have a list of things that... Um, um, and I'm, I, I mean, obviously there are things beyond having a chamomile tea, right? <laughs> you know, if you go on Google, for those of you who are listening and saying, you know, what are the best tips for sleep? This is, this is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the tips that will honour your genetic type and things that will actually work. Because all those tips that you read on Google, Dr. Google, with, you know, have a chamomile tea, you know, go into rituals and all that. I tried all that for many years. I couldn't get my brain to shut down because... I'm that type of person, mm. nine, ten o'clock at night, I want to write. Yes. I want to read. I want to – I start coming coming up with creative things while my wife was saying, I'm tired, I just don't want to – I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> and this is my time where my creativity is bouncing off the walls. Um, but I still honour that type. I still do those things, but I've been able to boost my deep sleep from like 30 to 40 minutes a night to one and a half, two hours a night. That's amazing. And it's through a number of protocols. And you've done this through sort of sleep hygiene protocols. Correct, yeah. And probably I'd say two main things Mm -hmm. that worked like almost instantly uh, that I did different. Yes. And two things – yeah, one thing that I – two things that I eliminated, one earlier in the day, and that is coffee. Yes. Um, uh, the other one is alcohol at night. I mean, who doesn't like alcohol? It reminds me of that, uh, like you mentioned alcohol earlier and impact sleep. And so I want you to talk about that a little bit more, but you would have noticed I had a funny look on my face. I was smiling because it reminded me of that um, Seinfeld episode where, um, uh, you know, Elaine and um, uh, Jerry were having a discussion (laughs) about um, um, what percentage of the population do you think are good looking? And she said, oh, about 25%. He said, no, no, no way. It's much lower than that. It's around 5%. And then she asked him, well, how do you explain all these people having sex? And he said, alcohol. (laughs) 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 So I just want to say that alcohol is a social lubricant. So Mm. a lot of people, and look, we we laugh, but one of the – and you've probably seen this in your practice, right? And I've seen it in my coaching. A lot of couples are sex-starved. At the moment, and it is a consequence from lack of sleep. It is a consequence, yes. and then from sleep, all those other things: high stress levels, high cortisol, and all that. And so, you, you sort of need the alcohol to reduce the stress, <laughs> you know, to get that social connection, right? I mean, that, that is a lubricant, right? It's a social lubricant, and it yeah. works to get to build in- intimacy. But then again, it it impacts your sleep. And then if you wake up the next day irritable and maybe you end up having an argument, not having sex for another <laughs> week or two after that. So uh, where, where's the 
you know, <laughs> what is the uh, does the eighty twenty rule really apply to to uh, alcohol to alcohol or <laughs> or sex or coffee? You know, like to get to get those things, like mm. um, to have people. I use uh, um, exercise, for example. Mm. I used to use alcohol, but now I use exercise as a drug yes. to help me wind down, de stress, and then just be, you know, social. Uh, is it okay to use uh, alcohol sometimes to de-stress when it's pouring outside and you just don't feel like exercising? Uh, is it okay to have to use coffee because you know you're going out mm-hmm. to the footy or to a party with friends and you don't want to be dull and boring because you want energy? Yes. What is what is your view on that? <laughs> you always ask uh, such interesting questions that um, I, I want to do do them justice in, in terms of my my answers because the the answers are not black and white. They're quite you know, yeah. complex. They're complex questions. Um, I would say first and foremost, it depends what we're trying to achieve and where your baseline is at. So. If you're someone who is already not feeling great, your energy is consistently low, uh, your moods are all over the place, uh, perhaps you are, you know, a bit overweight or maybe severely overweight in spite of trying, you know, countless diets and a bit of exercise, then, and, and perhaps you have sleep issues, you know, and yes. like chronic insomnia, then I, I would say, you know, perhaps alcohol is not the best okay, thing good for answer. you yep. to, to be doing yeah. right now. Mm. Um, so it depends what we're trying to, you know, to achieve. I would say if someone has really uh, sleep issues and they are drinking all the time, that might not be the, the best thing. Um, there are certain genetics that are very common, <clears throat> particularly in people with uh, Mediterranean, Mexican and Asian background mm. that uh, really impair our ability to detoxify alcohol. And by this I mean that okay. if we could think of, because, you know, we all know alcohol is a poison, okay? So chemically it's speaking, it's a toxin. Yeah. A toxin and we, it has to go through a number of biochemical reactions in order for, for it not to be poisonous anymore and for the body to excrete it. So if we could think of it as this process being like a tax, okay? So every yes. time we drink alcohol, we have to pay this tax and our yes. body has to pay this. For some of us genetically, that tax is way more expensive than for others. Yeah, okay. so we're literally yep. utilizing a number of resources that are could be then utilized to make energy, to create neurotransmitters, to break down stress neurotransmitters at night, to facilitate blood sugar metabolism, a number of things. So if you are, you know, you're a finance man, right? Yes. If you are already in a lot of debt, mm-hmm. yeah, you know that going into more debt is never the right answer. (laughs) We need to start looking at the the bottom line and increasing profits. Mm -hmm. So we could think of alcohol, you know, that way because it will have an effect on, you know, on sleep and detoxification. So uh, if genetically you're impaired and you have all these other symptoms that I described, probably not the best thing. What I would do instead is looking at other ways to help modulate cortisol. Okay, yeah. so uh, the first thing is looking at, you know, are you the morning star, the rock star, you know, the lark or the owl? Yeah. So let's start looking at, you know, the circadian reset yeah, yeah. of the cycle mm-hmm. uh, so that we can foster lower levels of stress hormones at night. 
Um, secondly, you know, if you're someone and you see yourself really in the rock star type, sort of like the, the CEO gene type that I described earlier, there are certain things that you can do to begin with that will also start to modulate those stress levels. So, right. for example, you know, I would recommend not to eat a high-protein meal in the evenings yeah, and work more on a carbohydrate, more vegetarian-based uh, meal in the evenings. If you are a... If you're a CEO gene uh, type, you know, rock star, stays, you know, stays up late, um, feels sort of quite stressed uh, generally. That is really, really interesting because um, you've just validated something for myself. So I tend to have high protein throughout the day, yes. but at night I need carbs just to wind down. As soon as I have carbs, it's my whole body just relaxes. Yes. And then I have great sleep. Absolutely. <laughs> and that is because uh, also... Um, when I say carbs, clean carbs. Clean carbs, yeah. No, yeah, you yeah. have a you know, super-duper diet. Yeah, beautiful uh, foods. Pumpkin, yeah. Uh, broccoli. Yeah, um, but I would say even even other carbohydrates, you know. Um, so ultimately, you know, biochemically, when we eat carbohydrates of any kind, with regards to sleep, what happens is that in order to sleep, we need you know melatonin, yes, the sleep hormone, and um, this is part of the reason, incidentally, why as we age, also those deep sleep phases. Yeah, are not as long because melatonin levels drop and uh, it's melatonin that helps regulate deep sleep. Okay. Yeah. So as we age, we lose melatonin, we don't produce as much, and then we don't have as much deep sleep. So generally, elderly people have very little deep sleep and are mostly in light sleep with a little bit of REM sleep. So um, going back to what you know we were talking about in terms of the carbohydrates. So in order to make melatonin, we need serotonin. We've yes. all heard about serotonin as sort of the happy neurotransmitter. And then in order to make serotonin, we need something called tryptophan, which is you know a, a building block of protein. Now, tryptophan has to enter the brain to be turned into serotonin and then melatonin. Okay? Right, yep. And the brain is highly selective, it's it's got this beautiful sort of fence, you know, with a moat around it called the blood-brain barrier, and it doesn't allow everything in it. So it's highly selective. So you can picture the brain like a you know a nightclub with bouncers, and they decide who goes in. <laughs> like so yeah, tryptophan yeah. wants to go in to make serotonin yes. at night. Mm. However, it's competing with all these other amino acids wanting to enter the brain. Okay, so if you've just had a, a massive protein meal <sighs> in the evenings. Yes, yes. Within those first 60 to 90 minutes, you'll have a high influx of amino acids all yes. around the brain wanting to enter the nightclub. And tryptophan is not as strong as some of the other ones, so it doesn't make it into the brain. If you have carbohydrates, then there is less of this kind of competition to enter the brain. So tryptophan can enter and be turned into serotonin. Okay. Yeah, So that's why we have that sense of relaxation. So, um, and, and look, even um, looking at Ayurveda, you know, we talk about lighter, you know, like they talk about lighter meals in the evening. So more, yes. um, you know, like stir fries, more vegetarian based uh, things. Because carbs are lighter, aren't they? They're lighter mm. in that lighter, sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Easier they don't require, yeah, they don't require as much hydrochloric acid um, to, to digest. Uh, also, they don't impact the microbiome in the gut as much, whereas a high influx of protein um, in the gut will also start activating those bacteria that love uh, feeding on protein, and yes. they release a lot of pro-inflammatory um, chemicals that can also impact people who've got bad guts, can also impact their sleep, 
Yes. So there are a number of different things. And so this is important to remember because we live in this era where carbohydrates have been demonized. Yes, and I do want to talk about um, uh, diet in our next podcast together. Great. But I'm glad you so said that because, yeah, there's so many fads where they demonize one thing and now everyone's rushing to this ketogenic diet. Yes. Uh, what have you? So I'm, I'm really glad that you raised that, and we we're going to we'll do a deeper it. dive that in um, in it, uh, our next uh, get together. But yeah, keep going. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted. So then, you. going yeah. back, um, going back to your original question about yeah. alcohol, yeah. Um, so the, there are a couple of things related to that. So we talked about the carbohydrates at night. Um, the second thing is also um, often we are. Um, I see many of my clients are really depleted in certain types of fats. Um, that are really essential okay, to yep. modulate the nervous system. And um, there is a fat called phosphatidylserine, um, which often we're very depleted in. I've that, never heard of that. Um, yeah, it's yeah. called PS for short. Yeah. Uh, and that's a you know completely natural fat, and it's um, very useful in the initial stages mm. when I'm helping people reset the circadian clock to have a little bit of phosphatidylserine at night, like 100 milligrams, 200 milligrams, yeah. just to bring down – it helps to bring down cortisol. Yeah. Okay. So that's a. How do we get that from natural sources? Yeah, it's uh, in that that has to be concentrated. So that's something that we recommend as a supplement, just to do for four weeks. Yeah. Um. You, it's easily. Um. You know, you can find find it easily online. Is is very cheap to buy. Just called phosphatidylserine, or PS. It will come up very easily. You could even Google PS and and cortisol, and that will come up. You'll be able to okay. read um, so more about it. Low protein. Yeah. At night. Mm-hmm. Or easily digestible protein, maybe yes. like chicken or turkey or whatever. Or even or low protein or even, um, or you no know, protein. I, or no, pro- no it's protein. It's okay to have no protein. It is. It? Yeah. It is it's, it's okay to do, uh, no protein is okay to skip dinner. It's, it's okay yeah. to do all these things that we believe we have to do. Now, you mentioned skip dinner and I don't know for people listening out there, <clears throat> if I skip dinner sometimes, yes. <clears throat> excuse me, and I've had a workout during the day, after you, the stronger the workout, the more your body's hunting for food, mm. calories. And then you listen to people like Mark Bunn who, you know, they're absolutely right. You know, if you eat too late at night, you're going to uh, have poor quality sleep. So I'll get to 9, 9.30 and I'm thinking, I shouldn't be eating anything, but I can't sleep. Yes. Have you ever tried to go to sleep on an empty stomach? Oh, it's, can't it's happen. hard. Yes. So yes. <laughs> what's your view on that? Because I, I need to eat something and then I'll eat it and then I'm like, oh, thank God, I'm relaxed and I'm out within 10 minutes. Absolutely. So, uh, so it's what's very, the explanation Yeah, there? the explanation for that. So I, I, you know, I do a lot of work with uh, elite athletes. Um, so the explanation for that is, uh, is, is that you have not reached, you know, you've not hit your protein quota for the day. So we have a uh, an internal thermostat, you know, a little bit like for temperature that's related to protein levels. So you mentioned you work with uh, athletes because it must be a common issue with them. Is that why you raised that? Yes. Yeah. It, so it okay. can be. It can be a. You know, it, their it can protein be a common requirements issue. are a lot higher. Yeah, both protein and carbohydrate requirements okay. are you know very high. Um, and depending also the kind of sport, but the same, you're a runner. So, yeah. uh, you know, running really puts a lot of demand yeah. on <laughs> the large muscles yes. yeah, in the body. And so, and I know you, you do quite long distance running. So, 
um, as you're doing that kind of exercise, you know, you are tearing a lot of muscle fibres and, you know, connective tissue. So all of that mm-hmm. needs to be rebuilt and that requires protein. So what happens is that if you haven't done front loading of your protein in the first half of the day, right. by the end of the day when the brain goes, okay, let's do an inventory yes. of all the nutrients and the macros mm-hmm. that Sam has used today – the brain will work out that you have fallen short on your protein requirements. So, okay, yes, and it's yes. possible that also you've fallen yeah. short in terms of your calorie requirement because you've got a fast metabolism. Yes. So, I would say. So, what, what I would say is, okay, well, let's have a look at um, how much you're exercising. When are you exercising? Are you eating before you exercise? You know, are you having some, you know, food, um, especially some carbohydrate before you're doing exercise? No, yeah, or and then you know afterwards, are you replenishing sort of the protein that way? I usually try and eat after the exercise because mm-hmm. I try. I figured I'm mimicking what our ancestors did. They you had to hunt or gather or do something, and then mm-hmm. as a result of that, you got food to eat. Yes, so I try and mimic that. Yes. Yeah. So I think that that you know can work well for certain people, mm. um, but you know. For example, with athletes, there is no way that they could achieve that level of performance without before. just certainly having, yeah, absolutely oh, wow. doing doing okay. some some food, especially certain you know carbohydrates, mm. um, because we do. I know there is a lot of talk that preferentially we are fat burners, but actually that's not true. Um, you know, preferentially the body you know, utilise the carbohydrates. We have so many um, more ways of, you know, producing, um, of, of utilising carbohydrates than we do, you know, than we do fats. And also that's very, yep. you know, genetically driven. Um, but, um, you know, I, um, I work with many clients when we look at the genetic testing and they're really so not fat adapted. Yeah. Um, and in mm-hmm. fact, they're going to be doing quite a lot of, you know, damage, you know, that way. And a lot of people are doing that by adopting a, you know, complete ketogenic diet. Yes. High fat, almost zero carbs. Yeah. I, I, I think that in decades to come, we will look at this time as um, crazy times. Yeah. Uh, because, um, you know, for people who are actually, uh, you know, um, scientific researchers, the evidence is really straightforward. Um, we definitely need, you know, carbohydrates. And, um, you know, I heard Mark Bunn talk about sort of ancestrally the kind of carbohydrates that we were eating. I absolutely agree with him. There is no mm. doubt that we have completely bastardised the food chain uh, in terms of what, you know, what we're eating yeah. and the kind of carbohydrates. I think m- most days when we talk about carbohydrates, we think in terms of, you know, white flour products, you know, breads, highly processed sort of carbohydrates but um you know many people i test are really highly highly adapted to eat 50 55 percent of their caloric intake from carbohydrates um but resistant starch-based carbohydrates so lentils and beans for example and not so well adapted to have breads and pastas yeah those kind of modern type of foods yeah i think there are some things it doesn't matter what your genetic type is you just I'm not great be to eating have. it yeah yeah so those kind of processed foods but you know even talking in terms of like a whole wheat pasta for example yes. yeah where if you were to look at the nutritional content it's got high levels of b vitamins and magnesium some people will not do very well with that yeah so it would really push up the levels of blood glucose and their insulin whereas if they base their 50 percent 
carbohydrates from lentils, beans, um, you know, sweet potatoes, um, those kinds of foods, they really, really thrive. And they don't need high levels of protein or high levels of fat. Um, so it, it's kind of is very, you know, very personalised. Very personalised. And again, it goes back to that principle of know thyself. Know thyself, And yeah. you're a professional that gets to help people know themselves. Yeah. And but uh, even though without doing all this testing, mm-hmm. um, the it, it really the the proof is in the pudding. You know, how do you feel after exercise? Yeah. So some people feel great. Yeah. Others don't. That tells you something, okay? Um, because when we exercise, and I'm not talking about really super intense exercise, like two yeah. hour session, you know, a good amount of exercise, uh, thirty to sixty minutes, moderate yes. intensity, um, we should feel tired, but then energized. Yeah, and the yes. next day we should feel the benefits over the course of the next 24 hours. You might be a bit sore, but mm-hmm. you should feel better. Many people don't. Many people feel worse. They feel like really exhausted. So then here you have a couple of things that you can try. One, it could be that um, you know you have not, perhaps you, you are one of those people who needs to eat a little bit. Yeah, so um, I often recommend to clients just keep, you know, at the weekend just bake a heap of sweet potatoes and keep them in the fridge and you've got these really simple snacks. Yeah, um, that's what I do. To, yep. to have. I make it one day and then they, uh, they last for two or three days. Yeah. Take them out. And, and yep. you, you can leave them in the office, in the fridge. So you could have like even a third sweet potato just to give you a little bit of energy. Mm. You could try something like that. Uh, and if that doesn't help you and you still feel exhausted, then I would think, mm, okay, perhaps you started to manifest the energy type called fallen star. Yeah. Okay, so let's get onto that. So what is a fallen star yeah. then? The fourth category. So the fourth category is um, the you know the, the kind of person who is despite having good good amounts of sleep, so seven to eight hours sleep, um, you know, having a reasonable diet, you know, perhaps they're doing a little bit of meditation, you know, they're really doing their best yeah, yeah. to re-optimise themselves. They just can't get themselves out of the pit, right? Energy Which is wise. the energy-wise, yeah. So oh, they yep. are tired. Um, they're tired pretty much all the time. Maybe they're feeling a little bit better in the mornings, mm. but they are really aware of the fact that maybe compared to a year, two years, five years ago, they really feel tired, very, very tired. And usually the fallen star comes from periods, long periods of being an electric star. Okay, so you've had, you've sustained very high levels of stress. Yep, Mm. for high periods of time, maybe you have burned the candle both ends, um, not had enough sleep for, you know, for a few years and you just kept going. And um, you haven't focused so much on your diet, you know, your rest and relaxation. And um, so what happens in time, there is this wear and tear. So you go from being electric, which means like wired, Mm -hmm. yeah, where we all know the feeling of the caffeinated energy, yeah, where we feel we've got lots of energy, but we know deep down it's kind of just the puff of smoke, right? There's not a lot of substance. Mm -hmm. We've all experienced that. So you go through periods of, you know, feeling wired and then the electric star slowly starts to become wired and tired. Yes. Yeah? So yes. you're tired, but you're still feeling stressed and anxious. That, yeah. That must feel really frustrating for the people that get to that stage. Yeah, it's very common. Very frustrating and, and very, very common. So early on, you know, I asked you what are the two you know, biggest mistakes. And the second one was you, you mentioned that people still feel like 
um, their mind is they're 21, but mm-hmm. they don't appreciate that their bodies, you know, yes. have you know are older and uh, have experienced wear and tear. Not not so much older. You know, Carl hates me using that word older. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you know, he's written yes. a book called Boulder. Boulder. <laughs> Because uh, it is a mindset, but it's about respecting that you can't put your body through wear and tear for that long yes. and expect the same result because your body's after a while is going to say, put its hand up and say, hey, power, low energy, power, can't sleep, power, irritability. Your body, they're the signals, aren't they? Absolutely. That your body give you. But y- you mentioned earlier then, you know, uh, it's all about personalised, knowing thyself and people can self-diagnose and make those pivots in their life. But I have to tell you, it's difficult for a lot of people who are completely in distraction mode the whole time. They don't have time to sit and feel like, oh, well, how did I feel after that meal? Or how did I feel after that uh, exercise? Or how did I feel after that interaction? Whatever it is, they're just like, next, next, next. They don't have the time. No. So, um, yes, look, for those people, I... I, I do recommend that they see a professional uh, like yourself um, because I've been there. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in that stage where through a whole here is a series of systems that we teach at a higher branch, I do have that level of introspection, taking stock throughout the day. Yes, I don't do this like once a year, like every 24-hour mm-hmm. cycle is my, my, my um, uh, religious... Um, Three rituals in the morning is movement, meditation, journal. At night, same thing, yeah. movement, meditation, journaling. And it's it's when you journal that you start uh, looking back on the day, how did I feel? Yes. What, do I, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? Uh, but for people who don't have that, they need help from someone like yourself. So if you're listening and thinking, okay, well, I need to do those things, but you also need to be realistic. If you've got a hectic lifestyle, you know, your job, kids – um, you know, really uh, strained for time. You, the best way to hit the reset button sometimes is to get a coach. You know, like I'm a runner. You mentioned, and my best times now have been hit after I got a coach because I thought I knew it all. Mm. But after I got the coach, I took it to the next level. So that's. I just wanted to qualify what you said earlier uh, by saying that they should also reach out to a professional like yourself. Uh, if especially if they're a fallen star, yeah, or it's, it's hard they, to yeah. get the fallen star to stand up again on on our own. So, uh, absolutely, and I think that um, also if we are already at you know fairly high performance level, yes. uh, I still have a coach. You know, I have a number of different coaches in different areas of my life. Um, I think that you know ultimately, I think life is about growth. Yes, emotional, absolutely. spiritual, physical growth. We, we're here to experience this journey and, um, you know, metaphorically go from being babies who cannot, you know, walk or talk mm-hmm. to being giants of wisdom. And I think that for me this is what life is about, this personal responsibility that we all have for um, self-development. I'm not going to say improvement, but just growth. It's about growth. And there is always going to be someone who's ahead of you who has done a little bit, it's just a few steps ahead of the journey and they can just give you shortcuts and they can give you instructions. They can also see you in a very honest way because let's face it, Mm. 
um, sometimes it's it's hard to um, really look at ourselves in the mirror very objectively. Um, and so having an extra person that can pick up these little things is, uh, I think it's invaluable for anybody. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So that's why I raised it. Because no, I know you're, you're a very busy person uh, as well. But where, where can people find um, uh, you? Uh, yeah, so the best way to contact me is probably through the website, uh, alessandraedwards.com. So through... That's Alessandra with a double S, isn't it? It is A-L-E-S-S-A-N-D-R-A, alessandraedwards.com. Uh, I've been blessed with, uh, you know, you know, originally I'm Italian, so uh, before <laughs> I got married to a, uh, to a Brit, I was yeah. uh, Alessandra Berardi, which... Um, when I got to Australia, yes. it would just take me uh, 15, 20 minutes every time spelling, you know, on the phone to Telstra or <laughs> <laughs> organising any utilities. So I set out to to find someone who had either an Edwards or a Smith surname. <laughs> <laughs> that was my criteria. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> That's really nice. I did gather your... your You've got some Italian there because you're nobody can see this on the podcast, but your hands are going everywhere. I, I love I'm that. A, I'm a hand user, absolutely. <laughs> so there's so much more uh, that we can cover, and I, um, we didn't get to a, a few things on the sleep stuff. But uh, would you come back again and join us in the, in the future? Because this is a huge area, and I don't want to. I want to do it justice by doing a deep dive into a whole heap of things. I would absolutely love to. Excellent. That's great. Well, Alessandra, thank you for joining us on the Higher Branch podcast. And thank you, everyone, uh, for listening. I hope you downloaded some information uh, that will serve you uh, daily. And uh, it's good to buy for now, I think.